0: Hello and welcome to the Get a Game Plan podcast, hosted by the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or GOSEP. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for GOSEP. GOSEP is the Louisiana State Coordinating Agency for resources needed to handle an emergency. Each parish has an Office of Emergency Preparedness Director. Should an emergency strain resources at the local level, we step in to offer state support on this episode we will be speaking with kip franklin the emergency preparedness director for lincoln parish the parish is currently using mitigation funds to help with a critical need for public buildings we will dig into those plans our preparedness tip on this episode will help you maintain emergency contact with friends and loved ones during a crisis but first we will speak with chief robert spinks with the mcneese state university police department Chief Spinks is bringing a new approach to campus with some of the lessons he's learned as a police officer in the great Northwest. Anyone with ties to emergency management will be interested in our conversation with him. One of the things we want to do each show is give you a preparedness tip. Today we want to talk about reconnecting with friends or loved ones after an emergency. Gosep recently revamped our Get a Game Plan app to include an I'm Safe tab. You can pre-program several contacts through this feature. Pressing one button will allow you to send them a quick I'm Safe notice should phone service become a problem during an emergency. Take time to think about who you will need to stay in touch with and how you can maintain that contact. Also, keep a hard copy of important phone numbers in your emergency kit. We often rely on cell phones to store those numbers, but cell phones may not be available or lose battery power. Maybe you or loved ones need to have a rendezvous point outside your region to meet after an evacuation, or maybe have a family member who lives outside the region act as a conduit for information for those of you impacted by a storm or other event. Work on those plans now. The key to any emergency plans is making sure they are in place before you face a crisis. That's today's preparedness segment. Robert Spinks is the Chief of Police at McNeese State University in Lake Charles. He has nearly 38 years of policing and emergency management experience and has served in every position from police officer to to police chief. He started his policing career in Eugene, Oregon, was a supervisor working in the suburbs of Seattle, and then served with the Port of Seattle Police. He then went on to work with three cities in Oregon and Washington, rebuilding smaller city police agencies of about 25 to 40 staff. In 2012, Bob moved to Lake Charles to take over the helm at McNeese Police Department. So, sir, welcome aboard. Oh, Thank glad, you. Glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about why you went into university policing after policing and having such a distinguished career out on the West Coast.
1: Well, as you mentioned, I had done about thirty years of policing, and I thought, hmm, might be time to, you know, kind of look at, you know, what's the uh, the sunset for this. Still had some rubber on the tread, and uh, I kind of wanted to marry the two things that I love, which is I've been an adjunct uh, professor. Oh, since the late 80s, and my love of policing. And so university policing, I thought, what could be better than to move to the very hottest place that I could find in North America and take up a new mantle um, at McGee
0: State University? Sounds great. Now, we know being where you are in Lake Charles and in southwest Louisiana and so close to the coast, uh, you have some experiences in emergency management. What do you see as the role for the police department from an emergency management standpoint when you look at McNeese? Well, a university is just like a
1: small town. We're actually a small town inside a larger town, obviously. And so we have those same responsibilities uh, for emergency planning as any municipality or a parish would. So being so close to the uh the Gulf, obviously Lake Charles has had it's turn in the barrel with some very dynamic hurricanes and uh you know, m- nasty storms. Um, the university has to take care of planning to protect the facility, potentially evacuating students, closing down, maintaining security. And so in my past life, um, as a police chief in three of those smaller cities, um, I was also, uh, had the hat of being the emergency management director. And so being able to take that to come to uh, McNeese was, uh, was very comfortable for me the nice thing is is that we plug in very very easily with the uh, the parish office of homeland security emergency preparedness the uh, Calcasieu Sheriff's Office, and uh, State Police and the other agencies.
0: I know we work a lot with Calcasieu and those parishes over in the southwest corner. We had some issues with some flooding over in the Lake Charles area, along with people, uh, evacuees being brought out of Texas. Not a lot of people realize how many evacuees we helped house for a few days uh, after that event or while they were in the middle of that event, but McNeese played a big role in that with some of the uh, facilities that they have over in Lake Charles. Tell us a little bit about campus security overall. You know, that's been a big headline for the past few weeks, not just in the K through 12 uh, schools, but also on the universities. What does your office do with that? Is there anything unique that you guys provide to help protect your students?
1: There's actually a couple of very unique things that we do, aside from just the, the general training for active shooters. We have sent our folks through the alert program at uh, Texas State University at San Marcos, which is really the gold standard when it comes to law enforcement training. Additionally, a couple of us, including myself, are also nationally uh, certified instructors in citizen response to active shooter events. So we provide ongoing training to our civilian staff and students as well, um, and we try to be as active in that regard as we can too. The sheriff's office in our parish has also become very active in reaching out to the, the larger community as well. Some of the other things that I think is very unique to our entity is we were able to secure funding through a combination of a partnership with our student body um, and we have a, a, a use of force simulator. One of the few in the area and it's a 90 degree, very large, you know, um, experience and uh, it allows us to practice a whole host of use of force issues, not just active shooters, so that's a key part, but also everything from a verbal dispute to domestic violence, to assaults and all of those things, and it requires the officers to make decisions on different levels of force, not just deadly force. And to kind of add on to that, um, we're the only law enforcement agency currently in the state of Louisiana that cross trains all of our sworn staff as emergency medical responders. That's important because in a natural disaster or an active shooter incident, my staff is able to switch that hat very quickly as soon as the threat is over my staff can turn around and stop the bleeding and not have to worry about the unfortunate sometimes delay in getting medical staff or fire staff into a hot zone or warm zone. So we can instantaneously do that. And then lastly, the other thing that we do is we cross-train all of our officers as crisis intervention team members. So we can kind of do uh, the, the intervention up to whatever the the situation you know may present
0: that's great to know because that is a big issue trying to get first responders uh into dangerous situations isn't an easy thing to accomplish sometimes
1: no it really isn't and um you know it always made sense to me you know kind of marrying you know the concept of cross-training law enforcement um but i gotta admit when i was you know in the seattle area as a police officer you know if we had you know some kind of medical issue a pumper truck would show up with about seven guys who were all first responders you know then a, a paramedic would show up you know who would be from the 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 fire department in another rig with a couple of guys then an ambulance would show up okay well you know we could go direct traffic those are not the same kind of resources that i have in my location now
0: I guess it's important to evolve too with the threats that are out there nowadays as well.
1: It really is. And as a university law enforcement agency, which is always a unique niche within the, the, the policing community, you know, who are those guys? Are they mall cops? Are they real cops? Can they do this? What do they do? Um, because it is different from state to state. But in our case, you know, these are fully trained law enforcement officers. Our motto is that we're a, a helping agency first and we're an enforcement agency second. You know, we're there to kind of make sure that there's that protective bubble over the university campus, you know, and we have about 3.5 square miles, which is the same as a small town of about, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine thousand people. Um, we're there to make sure that uh, students, staff, and and visitors don't have to look over their shoulder or worry about their safety while they're getting an education, doing research, or attending a host of events.
0: As this episode is going out to the public, we're only going to be a few weeks away from the start of hurricane season, is there anything unique that McNeese does when planning for a hurricane or addressing some of the issues that may develop?
1: Yeah, yeah, we try to be as proactive as we possibly can. We have an emergency response team made up of, of higher echelon um, administrators, uh, an emergency preparedness team, and then really kind of the go-to, a much smaller team, an incident management team, um, which uh, prepares, you know, reviews the hurricane plans for each of the different colleges. And departments on, uh, on the institution. And, um, and then we get ready, you know, to, uh, to hunker down. Uh, we track any of the storms that come into the Gulf, at which point that's kind of the first trigger. And that starts this meeting process on campus for preparations. And this past year, we've been working on moving our police dispatch center into a, a larger area, which is uh, now both uh, dispatching as well as the monitoring of all of our CCTV resources and it's also a small emergency operations center that we can activate, you know, for the campus itself. That is also plugged in downtown to the larger emergency operations center that uh, the parish runs.
0: So you're involved with all those parish emergency management functions Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And,
1: and you know, what a great resource. I, I I will say there are some great resources when I came from the West Coast, you know, when it comes to radio systems. I wasn't used to having, you know, the uh I think one of the very best radio systems that I've seen across the US in Louisiana. We're able to reach across the state, you know, on the power of a portable radio. That doesn't happen, especially not out west where we have all these mountains and things that get in the way. And uh and we've received, you know, support from uh, the Governor's office on homeland security, you know, with radios and and other support which quite frankly with the way budgets are If I can find, you know, a helping hand, a grant, you know, and repurpose equipment, I try to be at the front of the line for that.
0: Right. A lot of those radio resources were upgraded as a result of Katrina because we saw the critical uh, breakdowns, you know, across the state. When you can't communicate, you're really handicapped when it comes to an emergency. It is,
1: and that's, unfortunately, communications is always a very
0: first thing, you know, that you see kind of crumble. Mm, So that is one of the things we have been able to improve over the years, and it's a critical piece. We're in the spring now. A new batch of freshmen will be heading off to college in the fall. As students or as families get ready to say goodbye to students, maybe some are heading to McNeese or anywhere else in the country, any advice to parents from an emergency planning standpoint on what advice they should be giving those young people before they, they arrive on campus? Well,
1: I would say first thing, uh, make, make McNeese your first choice. Um, we are one of the safest university campuses in the entire state. Generally, we're, we're ranked in the top two or three. Um, and, and so we'll take that as a plus for us. Um, but I think, you know, things to talk about with new freshmen as they go off, you know, into the world, sometimes for the first time on their own is situational awareness. Keep your head on the swivel, be aware of where you're, where you're at, what you're doing, who you're with. Um, and also, you know, we also encourage, you know, our students in their dorms, you know, like everybody else to have a little go bag. Um, especially as we come, you know, into hurricane season, you know, and basically, you know, just have some basic supplies. Um, because if there's an evacuation, you know, students may self-evacuate on their own. They need to make sure that they've got, you know, water and food and those kinds of things in case, you know, they're trying to get home. Or if they are evacuated, you know, through the, the larger evacuation system that the university's plugged in with the state, they may well be on a bus and they're going to be headed north to, you know, some, some other location. They're going to need a change of clothes, you know, and all those basic uh, necessities. So what do you put in these bags? Well, if you go to ready.gov, um, you will see, you know, what you basically need for a 72 hour go bag. And of course, for hurricanes, for the general population, you know, we kind of want to expand that. So it's not just 72 hours, but maybe you want to have about five days worth of supplies in one of those uh, knapsacks or bags that you can uh, toss in, in your trunk and go.
0: Interesting. So it's important for the students also to have the emergency kits that we kind of uh, try to get that message out on a, on a regular basis. Is there... Anything incorporated into the university's plan, when when you talk about all hazards plans, uh, why is it important to kind of keep that in place and not just focus on hurricanes or active shooter situations? Why is it important to kind of take a look at the at the big picture?
1: Because exactly what you said, it's a big picture. And, and if you look at all of the possibilities that a plan might address, it could be threatening behavior, it could be disturbances, it could be assaults, it could be active shooters, it could be floods, wires down, power outage. On and on and on. And so you have a core within that plan that kind of addresses all hazards. We know that we're going to activate our EOC. We know that we're going to activate our incident management team. You know, what do we do, you know, in the way of notifications with our PIO? Those kinds of things are kind of, you know, in that, that one ball fits all. But, you know, are there specific things that you would do for each of those different unique situations? You know, uh, we just had an instance where we thought maybe um, we had a student with uh, meningitis in the dorms. Turned out, came out, you know, clean. That's always good. But in that case, you know, you want to pull, go to page ABC. Meningitis. What do we do? You lock down the room. You know, you've got to disinfect. There's notifications that have to occur so that you can contain it and make sure that nobody else gets any kind of a secondary exposure. So that's just, you know, I I have to admit, I wasn't, uh, you know, maybe 10 years ago um, thinking about, well, what if, you know, somebody in town, you know, got spinal, spinal meningitis. I do worry about that, just like now I worry about flu and pandemics and all of those other things and when those things raise their head that's not when you want to start you know creating the playbook that's where you want to be able to turn and go check off the check boxes
0: well i know there's a lot of people in our agency that have heard your presentations before and talked with you, and I know they really appreciate the the planning that you guys take and kind of the forward thinking, but that translates all the way down to the personal level, and that's part of the message we're trying to get across with this podcast, is take the steps now. If you wait until you're in the middle of an emergency, it's too late in many cases, so uh, take those steps now.
1: You know, when we're training new officers, we try to play the what-if game during their field training what if, what if, what if? And, you know, that's a great thing for the general public as well because what we see, you know, from a psychological perspective is, you know, our brain's like a big filing card system. And I don't expect everybody to be thinking about, you know, the next hurricane or, you know, the suspicious person or what do I do, you know, in in these situations all the time. But it's worthwhile, you know, to occasionally take out some of those blank three by five cards that are stuck in our head and fill them out. So what would I do if? Because if in the emergency, you know, your brain's going to start filing through all those little three by five cards. If they're blank, that's generally where you see people go, oh, that's not the response you want. Where if you've at least thought about something and planned just a little tiny bit, you know, your brain's going to go and say, oh, I thought about that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this phone call. I'm going to get my go bag, whatever the case may be. But you will have had a little
0: bit of emergency planning without even thinking about it. Well, I know you guys have looked at ways to try and partner with us on this podcast. So we appreciate that. And it, what do you see from a technology or resource uh, standpoint going forward? What would you like to see happen with the university?
1: With my constituents, you know, the students, you know, I'm an, I'm an old-time guy. I'll pick up a book. You know, it's like, yeah, is there a reference manual? Oh, I'm good with that. Where's that yellow highlighter? I'm with you on that. You know, one. <laughs> but, you know, I recognize that our students get their information completely different. You know, they're looking at Instagram and you know, not even emails anymore, text messages, you know. So how, how can you get that dissemination of information out, um, quicker, faster, you know, to, to students? In our case, even our student newspaper is going through, you know, an evolution because, well, students don't necessarily pick up the the hard paper now. The faculty and the staff we do, you know. So now that's probably going to become a digital edition. The same thing with uh, our campus radio station. You know, uh, I've been involved in community radio from the West Coast, and so I'm on on that uh, that management team for our radio station, and and yet. What is just as important as that terrestrial signal is our footprint on the world wide web, um, because we've got tens of thousands of listeners around the world listening to that one little radio station by using the web. Um, and also now we're broadcasting on Facebook. We're, you know, it's amazing, um, how many different areas now when you talk about getting the word out. You you know, I remember back in the day when you you know, I was community relations officer for a while, way, way back, you know, and I was thrilled to get, you know, a press release out. That is times so yeah, that is so behind the times now right. that uh that now you're you're having to look at three, four, five,
0: six, seven, eight, nine different kinds of medium to try to get that message out. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh anything we can do to help continue our you know, our partnership with you guys. Uh, Please reach out to us and let us know, and uh, thanks for being our guest today.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure, and uh, I hope we uh, are able to get through a safe and sane hurricane season. Thank you, Chief.
0: Now we'll move on to today's resource segment. Alert FM is a source of state and local emergency information with multiple contact paths for mass notification. Emergency information is delivered via the data subcarrier of existing FM radio stations, text and email, Apple iOS, Google Android smartphone applications, Twitter and Facebook. This personal alert and messaging system allows emergency management officials to create and send alerts to recipients such as first responders, school officials, businesses, and citizens based on geographic or organizational groupings. Such alerts and messages might include National Weather Service weather warnings, evacuation instructions, homeland security notices, AMBER alerts, or school closings. That's today's resource segment. Now we are moving on to our second interview for this episode. Joining us by phone is Lincoln Parish Emergency Preparedness Director Kip Franklin. Sir, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Now, Lincoln Parish is taking major steps to keep a key resource, electricity, available at critical parish buildings before, during, and after an emergency. Tell us a little bit about how you are making that happen.
2: Well, following the 2016 flood... We here in Lincoln Parish, we got to looking at some different options that FEMA and GOSEP had talked to us about as far as hazard mitigation grant program and and the different types of funding that are available. And one of the uh, programs was the 404 mitigation dollars that are available. And we scheduled a meeting and we actually had GOSEP personnel come up and sit down and talk to a lot of our different entities within the parish. Lincoln Parish is situated right in the north central part of Louisiana, and we do experience flooding and we do experience a, a lot of severe weather coming through here that may take down trees and power lines and stuff like that. So in the initial meeting, we got to talking about different mitigation projects that are available to consider, and nobody was raising their hands or talking about anything to do with flooded roads and such as that, because normally our roads, you know, they come up for air pretty quick around here from any flash flooding or whatever. Mm. But then I brought up the point that you know my worst case scenario that I think we may ever experience here in North Louisiana would be a major tornado that comes through, or worse than that, possibly would be a major ice storm that would take out lots of power. And so I said, "What about generators?" And everybody went to raising their hand. So that's where we started, and that's where we went from there.
0: What types of buildings are you looking at, at supplying these uh, generators to?
2: Well, we had seven entities that initially jumped in to participate, one of those being the Lincoln Parish Police Jury. And for instance, we had a generator at our courthouse, but it was old enough, so part of that project included replacing that generator. It also involved a generator at the police trade complex, which has never had a generator. So that was going to be a full installation of a generator and an automatic transfer switch that would allow, you know, instant power up. And then we also had the uh, Lincoln Parish Detention Center, which is our prison, uh, which is right across the road from my office. But we, we needed a new generator. That one was 30 plus years old. And so we needed to look at replacing that one. We had, for instance, the city of Grambling uh, opted in to put a generator at their uh, town hall and community center. We had the Lincoln Parish Fire District, which needed generators, backup generator, at three of their rural fire district stations. And then the Ruston Fire Department was another participant that uh, wanted to change out the generator that was about 25 years old at the main central fire station. And then we also had the linear school board was one of the bigger projects in that package that they wanted to put a generator at the school board office to run the entire facility and then one at their maintenance facility, as well as the bus barn, and then one at every single school campus in the parish that would run the offices only. So that's our participants that jumped in. And then the city of Ruston was our seventh participant. But their project was so large that we initially put it on hold and let them get it completely put together. And then uh DOSEP wanted to get everybody else's projects on the table in front of FEMA to go ahead and submit an amendment. So uh, we did that in November of 2016 and received approval in February of 2017.
0: I know electricity is one of those things we kind of take for granted sometimes, but when you're dealing with, you know, like you said, an ice storm coming through or, or a severe line of thunderstorms and, or a tornado outbreak, how critical is it to keep these buildings powered up, the ones that you're describing when you're dealing with those types of events?
2: Well, most of those, you know, like I say, are government buildings, especially even though, you know, you're prison, you have to take care of these prisoners the way things are, the rules and regs are nowadays. And so all these things are critical to keep uh, continuity of services, you know, going for the citizens here in the parish as well as day-to-day work that we have to do. And uh, another part of those uh, projects uh, that I did not mention was uh, under the police jury, was the Parish Highway Department and our Exposition Center, which is where we house a lot of animals during shelter operations and stuff like that. So in the event that we even had hurricane sheltering going on and then we'd have a power outage, you know, up here while we're sheltering animals or people or whatever. And some of those facilities will be able to power up with our generator project.
0: That's one of the things that I think people need to know about. A lot of our local partners in South Louisiana have a lot of agreements kind of pre-established before hurricane season with our partners in North Louisiana for these sheltering purposes. You know, it's great to see you guys helping out with that.
2: Yeah, we're one of the sheltering parishes for North Louisiana. The Lincoln Parish is mostly a general population parish. We don't have any current point to point agreements with with uh, South Louisiana parishes, but we are also looking at other sheltering options. Uh Gramlin State University has offered some of their facilities to be used for sheltering. But also uh one of one of Gramlin's facilities is their intramural center on the campus. that is designated as a federal medical shelter during a hurricane, a major hurricane evacuation. And so Part of that project back in 2009, a mobile generator was purchased to help run that facility. And then in 2012, we got around to installing the transfer switches that that facility would have so that if you've got 200 medical patients from South Louisiana up here and they're being taken care of by federal nurses and doctors and we have a power outage up here because of tornadoes or something that may be spinning off of a hurricane or whatever, then we're uh, ready and able to uh, power up that facility and keep it running.
0: As we record the show today, North Louisiana is one of the areas of the state uh, dealing with issues like high river levels. You also had some severe weather roll through over the past 24 hours ahead of a cold front. How common is that problem uh, in the springtime during this time of year?
2: Well, it's it's very common coming through uh, Lincoln Parish. You know, we're we're right there in line. We're just on the edge, about center of the state, between Shreveport and Jackson, so the National Weather Service, either way, keeps us pretty well informed. We usually use National Weather Service out of Shreveport for most of our information because that's where that weather's coming from most of the time. And like I said, our our biggest concern here in Lincoln would be a major tornado, which a tornado. Chances are, I mean, it would have to be a major, major tornado to take out a huge swath that would take out and involve a huge amount of our parish. But an ice storm could blanket the entire north part of the state and shut you down. So that's one of the reasons we went with the uh, generator project and, you know, wanted to make sure that we could keep power going constantly, you know, as much as possible anyway.
0: From a preparedness standpoint, you know, if you did have a tornado outbreak, that's one of the emergencies that can kind of pop up uh, pretty suddenly, and you never know exactly how severe it's going to be sometimes. What advice would you have for the public in your parish or in your region to kind of do what they can ahead of time to get ready for those types of events?
2: Well, We used one of the projects that GOSEP did back in 2012 was the Alert FM notification system. We use that here in Lincoln Parish, and we encourage as many people to put the app on their phone because we found that that's the best way to get a hold of people and give them information that can be used for severe weather or anything. Of course, we advise anybody, you know, that of of any severe weather that's coming, we try to post it regularly, stay in touch with our local media, and keep them advised as what to uh, let people know about. But we really encourage people to try to use the Alert FM system. It, it works really great here. We're able to push out information on just about anything you want to, or just push out general information on how to be prepared for anything, you know. And so... That's one of the things that we use and really like the results that we've
0: had with it. That's good advice. We, we've we talked about that several times on this uh, podcast on different episodes. You know, the more you stay informed about the threats you could be facing when you have these types of storms roll through or, or a lot of times you get maybe a few days' notice about an ice event, but the more you stay informed about these events, the, the better off you can be at times.
2: That's right. And we, like I say, the uh, state... Uh, pushed out the alert FM package back in 2012, I believe it was, and they have the little desktop receivers that you can put. But those are dependent on a FM radio tower signal to get their signal through. But the app is, you know, is the best way to go. I mean, there's no doubt that it's the best way to go. So if you can put this app on your phone and program it into your parish, you know, and and the, and the OEP or or anybody, you know, the sheriff's departments or. Fire departments or anybody can push the information out on these things. It's it's a really good way to get the information out there. And global information systems, the ones that uh, handle Alert FM, they're able to even track how many apps have been downloaded in your specific area. And the last report I got from them, we had about eighteen hundred and seventy-five people that have that app on their phone in Lincoln Parish. And uh, so I feel like. You know, we've got 46,000 people in the parish, but if that's one per household, then we're covering a lot of people, you know. Right.
0: Well, sir, we appreciate you taking time with us today, and good luck with that mitigation project, and best wishes.
2: Okay. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us for our Get a Game Plan podcast. We would like to thank our guests today, Police Chief Robert Spinks from McNeese State University and Lincoln Parish OEP Director Kip Franklin. For more on the topics we talked about today, go to getagameplan.org and don't forget to follow GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is produced in partnership with Lopa and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life Podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.